right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. Hmm. Shout out to those of you watching us on TV at the uh, Masters of Political Management uh, get-together in Ottawa, by Absolutely. the way. Absolutely. Future leaders. Mm, we need them. We need them. Yep. Cut our taxes. That's all we <laughs> care about. 416-413-3959 uh, oh, is the... Uh, <laughs> Is the number for the back leg line. Your chance to leave insults, jokes, recipes wow. for uh, Kevin Barker insults. or Ma. <laughs> uh, I'm sensitive today. Yeah, you are sensitive. Well, my wife just said some bad things about me because she heard what I said about the chips. I thought it was because she said your forehead looked a little shiny. She did say that. I'd leave it to you to tell everybody that. It is. Yeah. I mean. I got a big forehead. Deal with well, it. Both of us. It it's, like, it it's like two drive-in screens here. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, anyhow, uh, uh, the Jays take on the Oakland Athletics in the second of a three-game series tonight. It was a 940 start. Oh. Something like that. You going to make it through that? I'll make it through it. I'll make oh, it through. Chocolate chip cookie and a, and a warm glass of milk a by little, the third? A little chamomile tea and a spliff will get her out. We'll get her done. Is there a curfew? Huh? You, you have a curfew? No, What's I don't have a curfew. I didn't have a curfew when I needed a curfew. If you know what I mean. I'm talking to you. You're, well, you nailed it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, Jason Stark of The Athletic joins us, and he's absolutely enjoying this riveting discussion. How you doing, Jason? <laughs> I'm good. Do I have a curfew? Just uh, checking. No, you don't, you, you've never had a curfew. No, you can do what you want. <laughs> never. Had. Did you give your kids a curfew? See, I never gave my daughter, honestly, I never gave my daughter a curfew. She never had a curfew. And, and did you ever give your kids curfews? Uh, I'm not a curfewy kind of yeah, person. I didn't think no. so, yeah. People of our they generation got, are kind of I think they would use common sense, right? No. <laughs> yeah, my 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 kids were good and for the most part I didn't have to worry about them except yeah. a few times. Yeah. <laughs> my mother's rule with me was I know what you're doing, just don't do it driving our car. <laughs> that was the rule. <laughs> right. That's a good one. The accent on our car. Uh hey, we had the uh the Braves and the Dodgers uh play that 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 series that nlcs preview it was exciting it was great uh, jason i'm wondering though uh, we, we really can't sleep on those on those those phillies can we uh the phillies could win the world series they could get knocked out in the first round but they could easily win the world series they're you know since the first week of june which was three months ago they've played like a 103 win team <laughs> it's scary man Right? And nobody yeah. ever even thinks about them because they're, what, 15 games out of first or whatever. But um, they're, they're dangerous. You know, they're, look, they're not a perfect team. You guys have seen them. They've come to your town. Uh, they're flawed. They're, you know, they're not going to out-defend anybody. But they can out-thump almost any pitching staff in the sport, right? They can score against good pitching. And they have uh, they have big arms in the rotation and in the bullpen, and some days their flaws show up. Some days they don't. If they don't show up in October, no telling what they could do. How excited should I be if Kyle Schwarber finishes the year? You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. In terms of oddities, how excited should I be if he ends up with more home runs than than single? Oh, he's the human oddity. <laughs> He, he he could lead his team in RBIs 
and hit 190, and that <laughs> never happened. <laughs> they're, they're just they're, he's gonna he's gonna hit 190 or less, something like that, and yet somehow have like a 125 or 130 OPS plus, 25 or 30 percent above league average, hitting 190, 189. Think about how hard that is. That's incredibly hard. He's just a fun player. He's the most unorthodox leadoff man who has ever played baseball, but he's fun. What's the difference in Trey Turner today and the Trey Turner, say, two months ago? Well, you guys are well aware of that standing ovation he got, right? Oh, yeah. which, which was directly the result of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't for sure connect those dots, but <laughs> it, it's a, either way, it's a really interesting thing to start reflecting on the value of positive energy, isn't it? I, um, it was such a burden off of his shoulders when all of a sudden the town went from booing him to loving him. And, you know, you never know exactly why anything happens, especially in our sport. But, I mean, Kevin, you could certainly reflect on this. The importance of positivity, I think, changed the arc of his time in Philadelphia. And here's what I've been wondering. Did it change fan behavior in Philadelphia going forward in any meaningful way. I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, let's see the Eagles season and the Sixers. <laughs> let's let's just kind of yeah. let's let's sort of hold our fire there a little uh, bit. I know, but see the, the, there's a difference between booing James Harden, I think, and booing a guy like Trey Turner. Yeah. There's certain people who in Philadelphia they probably deserve to get booed. You know, they don't play hard. They don't want to be in, they don't want to be in the town. They're the reason that you lose. I understand why people like that get booed. I don't understand why players who want to be there, who play every day, he starts every game, mm-hmm. uh, and who take ownership of all the bad stuff that's happened to them. I don't understand why booing applies to people like that. And maybe this will change whether that happens going forward, but probably not. Mm. So Jason, what are one to three, your favorite September potential September storylines? I know you addressed this in, in, uh, in, in your column in, in, in the athletic, but right. But you know, I, I, what would I, be your three favorite? We, yeah, we could do this with fun little September storylines or the big overarching September storylines. And the a, fun you know, ones. A, like AOS, um, is a great race. I can't wait to see who wins the AOS. AL wildcard, NL wildcard. Um, I'm all in on all of that. But I'm also in on craziness, nuttiness. You guys know that. Mm-hmm. So uh, are both New York teams going to finish last? Like I, <laughs> I, that would be something. I, I, I find it fascinating. I find it something I would definitely uh, have my eyes on all month. Um I wrote about the fact that the Braves have a chance to do something incredible. They they not only would lead, could lead the major leagues in homers, 
but would lead by such a big margin that if you, you subtracted all the home runs hit by the guy who leads the league at home runs, they could still finish first in homers. That's amazing. Take Matt Olson out of the lineup and they'd still be first. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Is that how, how is that happening? I, I, I have no idea. I mean, they're just, they're really good. Uh, it goes to the thing, but they are, they're a phenomenal offensive team. Yeah, well, they're, they're historically phenomenal, historically phenomenal. So I don't, I don't think I actually did the ranking thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but those are some of my favorites. Uh, Jason, how about the twins? Uh, you know, everybody says get in the playoffs, face the twins. Well, it's just the twins. You go beat the twins. Who cares if you play them at in, in Minnesota, or you play them at your place. It's the twins. Should we be thinking about the twins that way? Yeah, they're dangerous. Yeah, they You're are. You're going to have to play the Yankees this October. Yeah, <laughs> that will exactly. make them dangerous. <laughs> okay. That's it. Um, you know, one of the best rotations in baseball, one of the most unhittable closers in baseball, it just – their offense took a long time mm. to get rolling, but they scored 20 last night, so I think it's safe to say they're rolling now. Since the break – they're a top five offense in the sport. And just imagine, Kevin, what they'd be if Byron Buxton ever played. Yeah. What do you do with him going forward? Like, how do you keep him on the field? That's the big question. How do you do uh, hey, They tried to hey. DH him. They don't want to play him in center a lot. Like, they give him those load management. They Like, what's they've done? They've tried everything. It's not working. What do you do now? I, I know. I mean, look, if they could figure that out, they would definitely do that thing. I mean, there's nothing more fun than watching that guy play center, but playing center, he, he hurts himself. And it's just, it, he just, he has never gotten through a full season, no matter how they've handled him, what he's done, what he hasn't done. And it's a shame because that guy's a special talent, yeah. but I, I, how do you, how do you look at his career and not conclude this is just who he's going to be? You know, we spent all year, criticizing the Jays minor league system for its lack of depth, uh, lack of top-end prospects. I think they had, like, one one guy in the top 100. They may have two now, thanks to Aurelvis Martinez. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then here come three dudes from, from AAA, and Davis Schneider, Ernie Clement, and Spencer Horowitz, Jason. And it's like they get – they not only have they done all that sort of, oh, these guys are coming up and giving the team energy. They're getting big hits. They, they, they are. I mean, to the point now where Davis Schneider doesn't play and Twitter explodes. How dare you don't have Davis Schneider cleaning cleanup for you? Uh, it's it's yeah. kind of neat. To, it's. I mean, all kidding Nate's aside, a good it's, word. it's neat to see stuff like that happen. It if is. you watch a lot of baseball, seeing guys who were 26, 27, guys who just kind of shut up and put their nose to the grindstone in the minors and AAA, it's nice to see them come up and just have success, isn't it? Um, you know, it's one of the joys of being a fan, I think, is every time a player makes his Major League debut, you think about the possibilities. You think about the story they have a chance to write. And, I mean, the David Schneider story in particular is amazing. I mean, he, he had that weekend in Fenway. I made a list at the time of all the Red Sox who never had that series <laughs> ever yeah. that way, you know. And uh, and then Bo Bichette goes down, and the Blue Jays had an opportunity to find him more playing time and didn't do it, right? They didn't do it. They, gave, they let Paul DeYoung let that 
mm-hmm. unfold, right? And then when they turn back to David Schneider, what he's done has been franchise changing. It could be season changing. They're a half game out of the wild card now, and it doesn't happen if he doesn't do what he's done. And the other two guys haven't done what they've done because it came at such a critical moment in time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jason, one of those teams that they're face or they're they're trying to catch is the Rangers. And me and Jeff were talking earlier about you know you can point the finger at one certain thing. All the wild card teams that are fighting for that one or two spots that you could try and fix, right? It's an offensive woe. It's a bullpen woe. You look at the Rangers. It's everything. How does Bruce Bochy, you think? Get it back on the tracks and get everybody heading in the right direction to try and win some games. Because if you look at the last 10 games of their season, like, you know, the, the, they got some real games coming against the Mariners, which is a big deal. Like seven of those in the last 10 games of the season. Like, that's yep. a big deal, right? You got to get it back on the tracks. How do they do it, you think? You know, there's there's such an interesting team because two winners ago, they plowed all this money into free agent position players. And then the last winner plowed all their money into free agent starters. And then at the deadline went out and traded for Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery, who have both been great. And yet they, they still have unraveled because their bullpen is so bad. It's just such a nightmare. And I'm sure you've heard that old expression, when your bullpen stinks, your team stinks. Yep. And I, I mean, I think that's the, that's the explanation that works for me. Once that bullpen started leaking oil, everything unraveled because it puts so much pressure on all the other aspects of the game. That The thing that would be a little scary to me is not just the last – Two, three weeks. I mean, since August 15th, they have a worse record than the A's. That's hard to do. But since since July 1st, they have a worse record than the Tigers. And I always think if somebody can figure it out, Bruce Bochy will figure it out. But when your bullpen's this unreliable, you know, it's like when you took that multiple choice test in school and all the possible answers seem like they were the wrong answer. That's where he is now trying to figure out who to bring in the game. Yeah. Um, we have to talk about Shohei Otani because we have to talk about Shohei Otani. <laughs> yep. did, did, let's. let's did, did his, did what his agent say the other day, one help his cause two damage his cause three is Shohei Otani. It doesn't matter. Well, somebody had to say something. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Uh, it's been weeks since Shohei has talked. Weeks. And, I mean, okay, those are the rules. That's what the Angels have created. I'll be interested to see what happens when he goes to, say, L.A., whether the same rules can possibly apply. But he he doesn't talk. He didn't want to talk. Somebody had to talk for him. So Nez Bolelo decided he was going to be that guy. And... I, you know, I felt like in many ways it was still informative. We got a description of the injury to an extent, at least where the tear is. Um, the suggestion that it's not a, 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 a classic, complete tear of the Tommy John ligament. And so some other procedure um, may be possible. And I, I think that's... I think that's important to know, 
But look, there's a lot there that was confusing that I think teams will look at with some definite skepticism. The idea, he'll be fine when the bell rings in 2024. That was a quote. Mm-hmm. He's going to be fine when the bell rings. Who can possibly think that? Yeah. You know, you there's no there's no way you can assume anything about his future right now. I'm sure he'll still get paid. Um, I took the family to see him in Philly last week, and it was something to say, man. Um, Here's a guy who can't pitch, but he can swing the bat, and when he gets on the bases, stuff happens. It like he just the sparks fly when he plays baseball, and people will buy into that. Um, He'll get paid. He's a he'll, he'll remain a gigantic international revenue generator. None of that will change, but knowing exactly what he's going to be moving forward is impossible. It was impossible before Nez spoke. It's impossible now. Speaking of free agents, uh, this will be our last question before we let you run. Craig Council, I mean, he, Milwaukee hangs on to him, don't they? I don't know. Why, why hasn't he signed an extension? They want him to. The owner has gone to him personally and asked him to, and it hasn't happened. Doesn't that make you think something other than what you just suggested is going to happen? Because that's what I think. I think there's an assumption in the game now he's going to be elsewhere. Um, David Stearns was the guy who hired him. David Stearns does not run the Brewers anymore. Um, The guy who... Uh, who does run the Brewers? He would like to sign him, but I don't. I don't think you have quite the same comfort zone there. Um, David Stearns might wind up running the Mets. The Mets might wind up looking for a manager. Um, I think Craig Council. I, I I would watch that Stearns Council tag team to to City Field tag team scenario very closely. Yeah, it's man. That's just such a. To go from Milwaukee to New yeah. York in terms of well, now, I understand the media. I understand this is a anything. different. Yeah, it's a different media age now. But yeah, he does strike you as a type of guy who'd be able to handle it. Yeah. He can handle anything. Yeah, he's he's so impressive, and you know he's he's the kind of guy where you know one of the things I do is talk to people in other front offices about all sorts of stuff, and he's the kind of guy who when you bring up the Brewers, people on other teams mention his name and say, how good is Craig Council? Yeah. Like that, those, I hear those quotes. And so everybody's noticed he's going to be a free agent. And you just said it. He, I, like, I don't think he'll be bigger than Otani, but other than Otani, I don't know that there's any free agent who can be more of a difference maker for the team. He joins than that guy. Wow. Jason, really good of you to do. This is always my friend. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Well, Always enjoyed, man. Thanks. Take care. Jason Stark of The Athletic. And as he's speaking, Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the MLB Network. And Kevin, who is on the MLB Network right now? Come on. Person who invented baseball? Yes. The man, the myth, the last place manager, Buck Showalter, on TV right now. Yeah, you got to have good players. You do. Craig Council's done a nice job repeatedly there. Craig and and you know Craig Council. It's it's odd because you're you're right. You have to have good players and you have to have really good pitchers. 
But in a lot of ways, Craig Council's kind of, there's a little bit of Kevin Cash in him. There's a little bit of Kevin Cash in him. He's always been, I mean, back when he, back when pitchers hit still. Yeah, yeah. He was a guy who managed like an AL manager. He was not, I mean, I remember him saying he's not, not a fan of Sacrifice Bunny. Yeah, yeah. Say, say, say you take him from the NL Central to the NL East. How do you think that's going to look? What I will say is, see, I've come around to your thinking about managers. But what I will say is, I think there's a market where because of the media concentration, the manager is important. Philadelphia's one of those markets. You've got to be able to talk. We're on the same. Oh, yeah. Good talk. Get it off the players and on you. You know, you've got to be able to disarm situations. Oh, yeah. And I've always told you that Joe Torrey, Joe Torrey looked at us, stared us in the face one day and said one of the reasons he wanted to spend so much time talking to the media is he said, he sat in the dugout and said, if I'm here and you're here, you're not in there where those guys are. Great point. And there are markets, you know, and, and Rob Thompson's a nice man. And I think that works in Philadelphia. No you know, one thing you know about Rob Thompson, mm. he's not going to be Ollie Marmel. He's not going to create... A not catastrophe out of a exactly two or three games into the season. Exactly. Yeah. He's not going to do that. Yeah, You've got to be able to do that. And I think everything everybody says about Craig Council, you know, and he's had, hey, he's managed a team that had its, its closer traded at, at the trade deadline when nobody saw that coming. Yes, yeah, the central. It, it's a central, yeah. but but I, I think he would be good in a place like New York for that reason. Maybe I mean he's, I think you might want to watch what you ask for. That that's that's me. Well, the big thing is if, if you're comfortable if, in Milwaukee, if David Stearns is there, if the guy running the team has your back, I think that if you're Craig Council, you're asking yourself because I do think that there are managers who you know been here, done this. I want to test myself. I, I want to see yeah. what I can do, and if you're going to do that. You're not going to leave well, Milwaukee to go manage the 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 Oakland Athletics, or you're going to uh, go to get a lot of money. Uh, there you go. And if you and if you do it in a market like New York, where the dude's got your back because you're his you, first big hire, you know as well as I do. How do you handle the ten game losing streak? It's easier to handle it in Milwaukee, sure, than it is in New York. And knowing the Mets going, just saying that the Mets uh, is the team going in, they're not going to be good next year. So you're going to have to handle oh, that too. I, I, they've already said 2025. They're trying to rebuild their minor league system. Like, yeah, they're, but, they're not going to go out and dump money. But I like I they think, did this year. So yeah, it's going to be a process there. I I I mean I you know I'll believe I'll believe that when I see it. Well, they've tried this already. I'll, I'll believe it when different. I see it. You know, they, they, they'll have enough financial flexibility. First of all, they're not getting Otani. So you're not going to have to spend a ton of money next year in the free agent market to improve yourself. I'm just saying if I'm Craig Council, I, I, I mean, if it's me per, personally, I'm probably staying in Milwaukee. Let me ask you but, a question. But I can see where I do want better, to try and Who'll be better sooner, the Nats or the Mets? Oh, that's a good question. I know what my answer is. The, only, the, reason, the only reason I would say the Mets is because if the Nationals – the Nationals are better than we think right now, and nobody expects ownership to spend a lot of money next year to make them better. If the Mets were to be better next year than people thought, they'd step up and spend money right away. Mm. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. In-depth Blue Jays coverage with an analytical twist. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Welcome back to Blair and Barker. September 5th. Happy back to school day for those of you who celebrate. 9.40 tonight. The Jays and the Oakland Athletics play the second game of their hmm. three-game series. A reminder tomorrow. Save. Three o'clock first pitch tomorrow? Sure. Three o'clock first. Six. It's odd, three isn't thir- it? Three thirty-seven. It will be on doing Blue Jays talk afterwards, but it's weird. Six games in a row, they've had a different start time. It would almost make you think that teams like Colorado and Oakland don't care about start times. That's weird. Six different start times. Sure, that's six how they make games. money. Yeah, everything's about um, money. I'm sure it is about money. Indeed. 416-413-3959 is the back leg line. Let's go to Mike in St. Catharines. Mike. You know something I was thinking about this year? Uh, we were all expecting, I think, a little higher hopes than what we got so far. Mm-hmm. But... Um, even if we, I was thinking if we don't even win this year, um, I think it wasn't a total write-off only because we know now what we need next year to go further. Now, if it doesn't go further next year with knowing knowing what we need, well, I don't know what else to say. I think this year, manager, there's got to be some changes, obviously. Um, we have to get the right people in the right spot at the end of this year, depending no matter what we do, to proceed for next year, um, to make sure we get it. We got to get what we need. We and we have to definitely then, once we get it next year, we have to go out and do something. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. We this year wasn't a total write-off because mm. we know what we need for next year. Now we need the right people to get what we need. And let's do it next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can actually say move on next year. I I will say this. I think when you find out, I mean, we found out a couple of things this year. First of all, we found out about Yusei Kikuchi, which, I, I, you know, has long-term positive implications for this team. Uh, I don't know if we really found out anything about Alec Manoa. I think, you know, it's best just to kind of flush that and let's see what Alec Manoa does next year. But it is intriguing with what we may have with uh, with with Spencer Horowitz and Davis Schneider mm. in particular. Any Clement, I don't, I don't know about. But those two guys, I mean, look, we've talked about this. Um, even running a big payroll, the Jays are going to need guys who are cost effective. It's great if you can have dudes coming off the bench who know how to pinch hit, who can play multiple positions, which clearly, which clearly those guys do. Um, you know, my my concern is... I don't think we know if this, I mean, I think we know now that you can't bring a lineup back like this next year. I think we realize you have to, 
it's not just simply enough to count on Vladdy and George Springer and 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 Bo. You're going to need something more in the middle of the order. Run producer, run clean, producer, clean, cleanup hitter, protector. Uh, you know, I think we may have. Frankly, I'll put my hand up here. I think we may have uh, underestimated the importance of um, Teoscar Hernandez and having that run producer Not in the me. middle of the lineup. Not me. No, you put your hand up. You put Absolutely. your hand up. I, I, I think the adjusting off the field to translating better game planning on the field has to be corrected. Like, you can tell consistently all year, it's been very sporadic. One time they look like they have a perfect approach. The next time next time they look like a double-A team. Like, how do you mix it together to where it's consistent enough that no matter who's hitting, they'll at least have a really good plan, know how to stick with it, and if they get out, it's because that dude got them out. It's not because they got themselves out. Correct that. That, for me, is will take them a step forward and make them much be- much better. Whenever you hear your pitchers come out and say that they need to be a little bit more be- like the Orioles offense, like it's obvious, right? So for me, that is one of the first things is, you know, you may want to try and adjust, adapt, you know, maybe, maybe try and have a middleman to where it's, you know, you're given this information, you're having these people execute it to the people that need to hear it in a way that they can understand it. It doesn't overwhelm them. Maybe that's what, you know, sort of that kind of thing. And if you get that, now you going out, you maybe not don't have to get a Teoscar Hernandez because, you know, the you, you can make up with if you have better game plans. The Blue Jays right now without Teoscar, have a, they're oozing talent, oozing it. It's just the the game planning on an everyday basis is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's all it's what one dude's got a plan, the other dude don't. One dude's got some kind of plan that doesn't make any sense, and another dude's got the perfect plan. Like there's 15 different plans that go on throughout a game that just sometimes will make you wonder. And I think for me, that's where the adjusting, whatever you need to do, I can't I can't speak because I'm not in the room. I just know what I see every day, and what you see every day is very sporadic all over the place, not on the same page. You get that together, then you maximize the talent offensively that you do have, which is a ton of it. Now, do I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to make a mechanical change? Absolutely. But you add a mechanical change to a better mindset, mix those two together because the dude has a lot of talent offensively and can hit the ball harder than most humans. Now you're cooking with gravy. Ken in Nova Scotia. Ken. just want to make a comment on uh, Gosman's uh, pitching lately. I watched intently how he pitched, and everything was low from the belt down. There was only four pitches that he pitched were above uh, the box that you see on TV. And if you're a batter, you're looking low all the time. And that, I think, is part of his problem when he gets a high pitch count. I appreciate your show, guys. Uh, enjoy your comments. Thanks. Have a great night. Go ahead, Kev. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think it's mechanical. I think his ball, because he's not, he hasn't had good finish the last four or five starts, getting tired mentally, physically, mechanically, that he's just not finishes the pitches. And his four-seamer looks like a two-seamer. When it looks like a two-seamer, if I'm a batter, I can tell the difference between his fastball and his split finger because one's moving sideways and one moving straight up and down. And when it moves like that, it gives me a better chance to lay off the split finger, have better swings on the 
fastball, which looks now like a two-seamer with some run. So for me, I think it's more mechanical than it is him trying to force the ball down. Colorado, maybe, like he may be trying to, you know, again, it looked to me like all the dudes that pitched there were forcing misses. If I miss, I make sure I miss. I can't miss in the middle of the plate. If I do, I'm not getting it back. I think that was the mental approach going in to it. And then you add everything going leading up to that, which is every pitch matters and you're not scoring any runs and where you're at in the season and the standings and all those things have added up to the way it looks now. I think for me it's more mechanical and more finish because of the way his four-seamer looks. That's just me. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, as you, as you go forward, I keep thinking about what Caleb Joseph t- said about the number of innings Kevin Gossman has pitched. And I think we need to, we need to bear that in mind when we look at the performance of these guys is, um, yeah, they're just, I mean, they're not, it's not like, it's not like they're kids anymore, you know? And, and that's why I, I think at the end of the year, when we kind of look back at how things have transpired here, my, I, I'm, I'm going to be really intrigued in being able to figure out how um, uh, how Alec Manoa's issues with uh, this year have impacted this rotation because it's four four man rotation. You know it did. Yeah, and 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 it was also it was the thing that. I just don't think anybody saw it coming. No, absolutely not. I don't think anybody saw it coming. Mm-mm. And that's why I think what these guys have done to this point is so remarkable. It's just simply that you didn't... The the ability to adjust on the fly is something that, um, you know, that, that I think you need to be really, yeah. really supportive and you got to remember too they had months in there offensively where they're scoring a little over four runs a game yeah it, it, again we know that the pitching staff knows that you go out and you think that every pitch you throw has to be perfect and you know you have to be efficient and you have to have action in three pitches like there's a lot of things going on and you're trying to do adjustments on the fly sometimes not the easiest thing for veteran guys who've been there and done it and know how it feels when it's going wrong and can obviously fix it quicker. But when you add to the mix of you're not trying to let that other team score, because if you know they do score, you may not win the baseball game. It's a lot to, I'm not making excuses. They're grown men and get paid a lot of money to get people out. But it's been a lot to ask. And it's sorry. You can tell they're running out of steam. This is why I said now because of what you have in the pen, they're well-rested. Lean on them. Use them. You have to abuse them the last month to make the playoffs, and then once you get the playoffs, you figure it out then. You have to do that. Like, that's just that sort of give and take, right? The rotation's carried you all year. Now, because your bullpen's good, and they haven't pitched a ton, and most of those dudes, except Swanson, obviously he's hurt because he pitched a lot, basically. Now it's time, I think, if you win in doubt, go get them. Go get them and use what you got, which is a bunch of bullets who throw hard and can get middle-of-the-order hitters out. Use them, and if they do that, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, we've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 590-590. Our last trivia question and answer was... 
Which Royal was named 2015 ALCS MVP when the Royals eliminated the Blue Jays to advance to the World Series? The answer was Alcides Escobar. Today's question is to win tickets to see... This is almost too easy. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Royals down at the Rogers Center on September 9th. In 1969, this longtime catcher and broadcaster made his debut with the Kansas City Royals on his way to a 17-year playing career. Name him. Have you gotten this? Yeah. In 1969, this longtime catcher and broadcaster made his debut with the Kansas City Royals on his way to a 17-year playing career. Name him. You can text the answer to 590-590 for your shot. The Wincy rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. He's a fan favorite. A fan favorite. Absolutely. A fan favorite. No question. Here and in Kansas City, I think we can probably say that. Oh, no question. Uh, Chris Bassett. Pitched how many innings the last time out? Eight innings, 110 pitches. Vila was down a bit, gave up three hits. What are you looking for tonight that would be a potential red flag? Yeah, I think it will always be sinker command. If he doesn't have that, forget about the velocity. He's a smart enough guy that if the velocity's down a little bit, I mean, it's not down two miles an hour. It's down percentage like it's barely down like you if you're hitting off that because of how many pitches he throws in the slow breaking ball that he has you really couldn't even pick that up it's a more about late movement and the quality of the sinker he has that i think he'll be fine because of who he's facing if he doesn't he's going to labor and then that means the pitch count will go up and he won't go as many innings as he wants to go that's everything feeds off of that it's you know occasionally the cutter will be okay it won't be great you know, if he does have that, you're eliminated. Like, you're not hitting him. If he's got the cutter and the sinker, normally doesn't have that. So, for me, it will be the sinker. And then he can throw the plethora of everything else he throws. Obviously, he's like every other pitcher. Throw strike one, be efficient with two strikes, be good against lefties. If he can do those three things in order, he'll be fine. He should, again, watch what the what they did to Barrios, which he was, and I'm sure he will because he's very smart. He's a thinker. He will know not to throw breaking balls to the eight-hole hitter unless you set it up and you want to back foot it or bounce it or those kind of things. So you learn by watching your buddy. He does that again. Strike one, be good with two strikes. Efficient, quality of your two-strike pitches are key for him because he's not a 95, 96, 97 guy. So they have to be quality pitches and against lefties. Your misses against those lefties have to be really good. Get them off the barrel. If you can do those three things, which I think he will against this team, he'll be fine. Okay, now this is going to be a pretty young athletics lineup he's going to face. Yeah. Flip it around a bit. This is a guy who fiddled around with the pitch comm a lot the last time we saw, held on to the ball as long as possible, Mm -hmm. really played around with dudes. Yep. If you are a young hitter in that situation. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh, it's the change of speeds. I'd rather face a dude that throws 98 because I know I'm going to get it. And I know I can get geared up for it and be in an athletic position. This guy throws anything from 69 to 94, 95 if he's, if he's frisky. And it's moving everywhere, both sides of the plate, all quadrants. He's unpredictable. He'll throw strike one with multiple pitches. What's He's unpredictable with two strikes. He can elevate the ball with two strikes. Like, he can do a bunch of things. This is what I said. Add and subtract. Get ahead. You got a young lineup. Use that pitch timer to your advantage. Get the ball, hurry, get your sign, stand there. And let him figure out what he wants to do. The more statuesque a young guy gets, 
the more off balance he will be when he makes his positive move. It's playing mind games. What's the pitcher's job? To disrupt your timing. Who does that better than anybody on the Blue Jays team? Chris Bassett. What better way to do that than against a young lineup like the A's? For me, it's this is lined up for seven, and the Jays win by a lot. That's just me. 937 will be the first pitch tonight on Sportsnet 590. The fan is the Jays and the A's. Play the second game of their three-game series at the Oakland Coliseum. We will uh, be back tomorrow with Blue Jays talk immediately following the final game of that series. Then it's a day off. Then Kansas City comes into town, and then the biggest series of the year, folks, four games against the Texas Rangers next week. Hey, meaningful baseball in September. It's like a lot of things in life. Rosie, the odd curveball. You just got to ride with it. That's it for us today. Enjoy the baseball. We'll chat with you tomorrow.